Coming up, the Brooklyn Nets hosted the Houston Rockets at the Barclays Center, and just like we all knew, it was an early, dominant game that was never in doubt. We break down the Cam Thomas start and the late game angst all coming up next. You are Locked On Nets, your daily Brooklyn Nets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Ah, uh, yes, my friends, it is the Locked On Nets podcast right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team, the Brooklyn Nets, every single day and sometimes bonus on the weekends. Over there, you'll find Doug Norrie. I'm Adam Armbrecht. We thank you, as always, for making us your first listen of the week and weekend free on all those great platforms. And Doug, 104 to 106, the Nets win over the Houston Rockets, a game, a fourth quarter that is all too familiar for Nets fans. Thankfully, this one came out on the winning side as, again, Nobody had any doubts the Nets were going to pull this one out. I mean, never in doubt. I like just <laughs> super solid, sit there, relax, you know, relax in the side, put your feet up, watch an easy Nets win. They're up a lot. No big deal. I mean, I feel like, why did I do this to myself on a Saturday night? It's the weekend. Why would I subject myself to this type of misery? <laughs> I did joke I, going into the fourth quarter. We joked. I said, you know, what's the number? of points that Nets would need to be up that you would feel comfortable waiting until the final buzzer. I said a million, yeah. <laughs> like anything short of a million. I'm not sure you can relax with this team. The fourth quarters have been, I mean, they've just been, I don't even want to call them a wild ride. They've been, they've just been really been something else. And Nets have been the worst fourth quarter team in basketball in, during, in January. It's not even close to like minus 5.5 during in fourth quarters over the last month. The next closest team is like minus 3.3 or something like that. Um, it's, it's just been, su yeah, it's been such a bad run in these fourth quarters. Met, I mean, I guess kudos to them. They actually won uh, <laughs> this game. The other ones they've blown Clippers, Lakers, heat, all these other games that they, you know, Knicks, all these other games that they've been leading and then going into the fourth quarter and just totally giving it away. They tried their absolute hardest to give this one away in the end in new and cr frankly, creative ways <laughs> to try to give away a game <laughs> near the end. And luckily, honestly, luckily the, the Rockets just kind of bailed them out in the end. It, they, I don't even know if it was them that won. It was just another fourth quarter. Thankfully it's a W, uh, but it's an increasing problem for this team. And obviously we're going to dial in on that even deeper here, but before we do, let's, let's take the silver lining, the bright moments when we can, right? Cam Thomas starts in this game for the Brooklyn Nets. Cam Johnson was out for personal reasons tonight. So as we said before, sometimes Jock Vaughn only makes adjustments when it feels like there's no other choice in what they're going to do. Cam Thomas starts and across the, across this game, it was exactly, I think what we all anticipated, right? 11 for 19 from the field, three of uh, six from beyond the arc, 12 of 15 at the line. 37-point performance, only one other net in Dorian Finney-Smith had a better plus-minus rating. Uh, this is, if you are a Cam Thomas fan, if you believe that he's one of the top two or three best players on this roster, this is exactly what you thought would happen if you had inserted him to the starting lineup and he played big minutes. Yeah, great for him. 40, 37 points in 41 minutes. Like you said, a plus 12. He at halftime had a great quote where they were they were interviewing him going into halftime and they were basically, you know, what's why you why are you up 20? I'm paraphrasing here, but it's like, why are you up 20 points? He's like, oh, because when I play my version of basketball, like we're going to win, <laughs> right? It was very much, uh, I don't know if I would call it a pointed comment, but it was definitely, uh, oh, this is what can happen for this team if I'm allowed to play a lot of minutes. I don't think there was a lot of subtext to it. I think he was basically just saying it and they did start this starting lineup 
which I couldn't believe this when I looked it up before the game, that this lineup had played only like 24 minutes together all season. When, yeah, and when you get away from it, yeah. And which is crazy because it's like, okay, you know, because it was basically all Cam Johnson and those lineups got completely trucked. Now this, this four man lineup also had been not very good going into this game, but the, this Dorian Finney, just the Dorian Finney Smith to Cam Johnson swap had not been something they'd employed. I, I was floored by how few, again, how few minutes over the course of the whole season that they played this, uh, these guys together. It's just, it's going to offer up another very interesting uh, subplot here for when Cam Johnson does return about like who's going to start, right? I got, maybe it's just maybe, maybe DFS getting hurt is going to bail them out again on like a hard decision. That's a terrible way for it to like be viewed. Um, and maybe they just end up having to go back to that starting lineup with no Dorian Finney Smith. And that's sort of been another theme of this season is saved from some of the tough choices <laughs> over the course of the yeah. year. And we'll talk about Ben Simmons getting back into the mix too, but overall, you can't put Cam Johnson back on the bench. Like after this game, they, they shouldn't have before, by the way. Cam Thomas, Cam Thomas. Oh, sorry, Cam Thomas. Yeah. They shouldn't have done it before. And now you just can't. He can't go back to the bench. Like, I'm sorry. 37 points is the only reason they won. Like, right? Am I wrong here? It's, it's be, it'd be bonkers to, for him to go back to the bench here. No, the, the the whatever the mentality has been about. I mean, we, we can paint the entire picture, right? The contracts that were given out, the trade pieces that came back from all the superstars. We understand all the narratives around why you have not chosen to do something. But at a certain point, and we've already been there for quite some time, it just the eye test tells you, right? The eye test tells you, for and by the way, for all the deficiencies that offensively they have, not enough on-ball guys that can create an ISO, that can get, take guys off the dribble, that can drive at the basket. Cam Thomas answers a lot of those questions, and I'll pay him even a deeper compliment here around his game, which we've talked about. I, I think you have also seen the growth for his game. Now, this one was about his offensive skill set and getting the job done, right? So pointing three assists isn't necessarily something that's going to jump off the page at you, nor should it. But we talk about, if you want to say removing roadblocks, Jacques Vaughn says it's about both ends of the floor. Well, Cam Thomas, he's not a perfect defender, but guess what he is? Fully engaged, playing with high energy. He seems to have a better positional sense about where he's supposed to be. So while what he does offensively should be more than enough to put him into the starting lineup and never look back, it's also, if you wanted to point to that end of the floor, he's at least doing the things you want. He fundamentally understands where he needs to be on that end. You don't look at that as being, hey, there's this trade-off here. Is it perfect? By no stretch of the imagination am I, am I suggesting that. But I can't look at it now and say, well, offensively, he's an absolute firecracker. Jock Vaughn, maybe, is this is his thinking. But defensively, what do we lose when he's on the floor? Well, I'm sorry. Even if you have 37 points in 41 minutes and you're a plus 12, even if you were an absolute goose egg on the defensive end, you it would show up in some of those ancillary analytics that you maybe want to point to here. I just think it's time you have to make a decision like this, especially when you think about what Cam Johnson from an offensive skill set does not have for you when he's been in the starting rotation. Yeah, I think that's, I, I don't think I would go all the way there on the defensive stuff, but it doesn't really matter, honestly. Because... Effort and energy is there, though. Like, would you agree yeah. on like effort and energy has been there enough for Cam Thomas when you say the same way we talk about any great offensive player, at least if he's engaged and making the effort then I don't think you can dog him for it. He did have one glaring error here in this game defensively, but overall. He is closing it. Yes, he's, he's closing out. He's not he's not losing his guys too much. He gets picked on a lot, but sure. like that's just probably just going to end up happening. It doesn't actually matter. I, like In the end, they don't have any other guys that can really dial up the scoring to this level. Right. And I know like sometimes like 
evaluating the situation after your best game is not always the best way. It's just like you should never ever evaluate things after the worst game. But it's just been so clear that they just they've been so many times have struggled to score, so many times have needed baskets, so many times have allowed like just like tonight, honestly, have allowed other teams to get back in games over long stretches because they can't because the offense completely bogs down. This is what happens in the fourth quarter often with them yes. is that the offense just goes into the absolute mud and quicksand and they can't do anything. And he's just is a he is a, a bailout guy in, in terms of that. And they just need they just need to have it. So I, I really think you know, and Jacques Vaughn real quick is where we usually don't catch the post gamers uh, because when we uh, podcast after the post game. Jacques Vaughn was asked tonight by Eric Slater um, over a clutch points friend of the podcast whether uh, being whether tonight's performance would earn him a place in the starting lineup. He didn't. He wasn't definitive about it. He said just Vaughn says it's always the thoughts have always been there. It's about trying to balance the group out. I know Cam can score with the first group. I love his aggressiveness. We needed it, and it's basically just saying it's on his mind. So he stopped short of saying it. <laughs> right, and right? I, I don't think you expect him to right to come out in the post game and go, "Yep, he's our starter going forward now." But but it should. But I'll tell you right now, and yeah. we can get into some of this other stuff. But if he's not like, I, I just don't, I just don't know what we're doing here. I, I you know what I mean? I it's just it, it it it's already probably past the point of no return with this stuff. But I you just have to do it. Like you have to move someone else out. Like he he yeah. someone else can't get minutes over him. It's like it's too crazy. Coming up here in a second, we'll talk about the backcourt tandem of Spencer Dinwiddie and, and Cam Thomas and how it actually worked in different ways tonight. Also, how they attacked Houston differently than their previous meeting. The absolutely standout performance or aggressive nature from one Nicholas Claxton. We get into all the other details of how the Nets pulled out this win coming up in just one second. All right, before we get to that, tell you, my friends, over at eBay Motors, passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance, superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and so much more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered with over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die. You'll find it exactly what you're looking for. With eBay guaranteed fit, your parts guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash, with all the parts you need at the prices you want. It's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. eBay guaranteed fit only available for U.S. customers. And when you're done with that, go visit our friends over on FanDuel. No better time to get in on the action over on FanDuel America's number one sportsbook. FanDuel, right now, $5 bet. All you got to do, win or lose, you're going to grab $150 in bonus bets. It's just that easy. And that $5 bet, it doesn't really, like I said, it doesn't matter win or lose. And you can do anything over there. You can do the live same game parlays. You can do the over-unders. You can do the player props, which I absolutely love to get into every single night over in the props. It's all available to you over on FanDuel. All you do right now, you go to FanDuel.com slash locked on to sign up. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. All right, so as we continue the post-game podcast for the Brooklyn Nets, who got the win, 106-104, and it, it really did come down to surviving the fourth quarter. Before we do get to that, though, I, I did want to mention that one of the, the things that was the talking points around the issues for the Nets, and maybe, maybe in Jock Vaughn's mind, starting Cam Thomas would be the other issue. Well, why is Spencer Dinwiddie still starting, too, maybe? But tonight, again, I thought was a good example, and maybe this has developed over time for them on the practice court and not necessarily always in-game. 
But I thought that there was a better balance, though Spencer Dinwiddie didn't score in the first half, where possession to possession, they created a variable for the Houston defense. It's, well, Cam Thomas may be the ball handler or Spencer Dinwiddie may be. Cam Thomas was driving at the basket and kicking out early in addition to doing all of his scoring. Spencer Dinwiddie was facilitating, finished with nine assists in this game. If both of them, and again, as, as Cam Thomas's game continues to expand and grow, there starts to become a respect that you have to pay on both ends. I think it opens up the floor a little more, creates a little more spacing, and makes for a balanced offensive attack, even if it's primarily going to end up with Cam Thomas shooting, Cam Thomas dunking down big buckets. Ran into some problems again with the blitzing double teams to start the second half in this game, but I was pleasantly surprised how those two and the team overall were able to operate because previous samples suggested these guys could not coexist if their lives depended on it together. Yeah, I mean, early on in this game, it was pretty obvious that they had a marching orders to attack the Houston drop, right? Like we, it was very you can see it yeah. going early, and that's good for that's good for the Nets, like because if the Nets guys, like specifically Cam and and well, I'll get the Dinwiddie in one second, but if Cam and McHale can beat the primary defenders on the screen and switches, and the other the the defender can't make their way over the screen, then those guys are pretty good in the mid range, right? So that's they pretty designed that if they can set things up pretty early. A, a drop defense with Shangun was going to be something they could attack. And they did like relentlessly attack. Yeah. And that's really actually the big reason they were able to jump out to a big lead. The where did what he comes in and where we saw him get more aggressive here tonight is when they're still trying to attack, attack uh, that matchup. And a guy like Shangun comes on the level of the screen that did what he has like a blow by power. And we mentioned this last, last um, podcast too, that we just seen so much less of him getting to the rim, him getting to the foul line, like just sort of that aggressiveness. We saw it more tonight and we saw actually that was pretty well schemed uh, for the Nets. Like yep. that, that was like pretty much as like what we're going to do is that if they come to the level, go get to the rim. If they're going to drop back, get into the mid range. They were running these actions to Cam Thomas. He's like DHO kind of pistol actions to, between Dinwiddie and, and Cam early on before they started blitzing. And then later they, they really started, they really started trapping it hard. But overall I thought like that, I thought that that was like a, a kind of a, a good formula against this against an all switching defense. They're going to run into major problems, right? right? Like they, and we've seen them, like they just can't, they really, just really can't generate enough space. Um, and we've seen it really bogged down and actually, frankly, I know I'm going along here, but like, mm -hmm. that's actually why this fourth quarter was such a problem. Like during that comeback, Shangun was off the court. Like they went really small. The Rockets went really small, had Amon Thompson, Cam Whitmore, guys like this, they're switching everything. And it became really, really hard for the Nets. Like they got, destroyed and so yeah. if you want to see like in game how something can go from kind of good to kind of bad like we saw that long story short in situations like this i think that they can continue to kind of exploit those kinds of matchups when they're provided it's not gonna be every game but i think that's why you saw a little more synergy between these guys early on and all five uh starters for the brooklyn nets in double digits mikhail bridges kicked in six of 14 for 19 points for himself as well I uh, got to the line six times in this game, too. We mentioned the fourth quarter. We mentioned the struggles. Once again, this is a game where in the fourth, 34 to 18, Brooklyn is outscored by the Houston Rockets. You had highlighted there in the first segment the past struggles in the fourth against the Heat back on the 15th. Lost 96-95, outscored 8-2 to end the game, had a 16-point lead in the third. Against the Blazers, outscored 8-2 to end the game, 11-point lead in the third quarter. Lost 125-114 to the Clippers. 18-point lead, 22-0 run in the fourth quarter. It was a 10-3 run against the Knicks after having a 10-point lead in the third quarter in that loss as well. So this, this ongoing theme for them of just not being able to carry over the success that they had, and, and you kind of highlight there too, the Nets don't have, when there's the matchups to attack, that's great. 
and we often say, well, what about when the other team adjusts? They don't have the next adjustment to go to. And tonight, uh, things, you know, some shots don't fall. Well, they lose Dorian Finney-Smith as well. But but it's another example of just, it doesn't seem like they have the second and third plan of attack or mode of operation when you need to close games out late. And they also, like, when hack a clacks late, that kind of works. Like, yeah, they were just doing so. That opened up a real some... issue, by the way, not having Dorian Finney-Smith as well and not having Dayron Sharp right yeah. now. Once Clacks had to come off the floor, you got – they went with they went with Royce O'Neal at the five. Anyone we saw it over on Twitter, you know, Harry Giles time. I was like, don't even don't even think no, about no, it. No. It's not going to happen. No. It's going to be Royce O'Neal. They're going to go small. Right. So, like, they were they were kind of in desperation mode too, right? You're going hack and clacks in. It's kind of working. He's missing some of his free throws. I mean, exactly. Like, they don't have another guy. To, they have to take him off the court. Now you're really, really just way too small. The DFS injury hurt. Hopefully, he's going to be okay. So, there were a couple other, like, little things that went against them here. It's really kind of of their own design. Like, the, you know, this is the team they have. So, you can't. It can't really be an excuse, but there were some things that we saw that you don't typically see on a night-to-night basis, but it doesn't matter. Like, it all kind of adds up to the same thing and why this team ends up sort of having sort of having issues in those stands. It's just, it is, it is just troubling. And I actually wonder, too, with the fourth quarter piece, like, the Nets know, because they've commented and have been asked about it, the Nets know they've been bad in the fourth quarter. And I actually wonder if there's just a little mental piece here to it also. It's like, oh, here we go again. Like it's a very much a here we go again variety. If you think the fans are in on this, which obviously we all are, the the players are totally aware of this too, and so is the other team. And, and so these other teams just kind of get headstrong about where they should go, and that's kind of working also. So I think it's like this me like just a dovetailing of all these different things together that's just not helping them. And it just really, I mean, part of this is just a mental thing. They have to be able to get over it. I, I wonder. I hope. I'm hoping that tonight helps that. They're like, okay, finally, it didn't look pretty, but they, we did get the W. Tried really hard not to. I mean, the inbound with the Amon Thompson three, the guy can't – has that bait, looks like the second, fifth three-pointers made his whole career this year. He drains one. It's like all these little things. So for Shingun to miss the free throw, thank goodness. And there's a lot of little moments in this game, too, that you mentioned about. Not only uh, – these are all moments, but uh, Cam Thomas steps out of bounds going on the baseline. No call there. I feel like that's now superstar moment for him. But even more importantly – when they got the ball forward and Cam Thomas had it in the corner, and he's just holding on to it, waiting to get fouled. I mean, listen, you want to go back and look at that. There's a real world where that was a tie-up and it should have been a jump ball because oh, yes. he it exposed there. They right? got like, bailed out there too. That yeah. should have been a jump ball. That was a bad call. Like they they right. that was like a that was um an instinct whistle because they think it, it, he's you fouling. anticipate the foul, so yeah. I'm ready to blow the whistle as soon as you get near him, right? Yeah. Great call. I meant to mention that. That, that you good job remembering that because that was the other one. It was like Oh, they just got totally bailed out. They got bailed out in the Jay Sean Tate step back three with time left in the shot clock. I was like, oh my God, you'll take that. I'll do that every time, please. My goodness. So they they actually really did. It's crazy to say they got helped here, but sometimes those little things do need to kind of go your way to get over the hump. They've had little things go wrong for them in past games that haven't gone for them. So the, the idea here is that this stuff kind of evens out over the long term. Of course. So coming up here in a second, obviously the other news, we don't typically do this in our post games, but when you get updates... And the rumor that Ben Simmons could be returning to the court as early as Monday night. We want to make sure we talk about that. Highlight Dorian Finney-Smith again here. And what the short-term impact is for the Brooklyn Nets as we know that trade deadline looms. We'll get to that coming up here in just one second. All right. Let you know that this episode of Lockdown Nets is brought to you by Quiz. Today we're going to have some fun. Test your knowledge of the Nets right now. Just a little taste of what you're going to get over on Quiz uh, which player holds the record for most points scored in a single game for the Nets? Hey, Vince Carter, 
Brooke Lopez, Jason Kidd, Kyrie Irving. Yeah, the answer is Kyrie Irving. I hope you said that over there, friends. Quiz is the um, it's quiz got with three eyes, which is really important to know when you're typing it in. Quiz with three eyes, next generation trivia experience. It's the world's first platform where you can earn money playing knowledge games. And for Lockdown Nets fans, they created an NBA quiz game where you can test your knowledge and win real cash. Play with friends or other fans and let your knowledge shine all the way to the bank, baby. You can play without downloading anything. You just go to app.quiz, Q-U-I-I-I-Z.com. Start playing today. NBA Quiz is the ultimate knowledge challenge for fans that live and breathe basketball. Um, go to uh, app.quiz.com, test your knowledge, and win cash today. That's quiz with three eyes, just like the three-pointer. Play now. Showcase your skills and take home cash prizes. App.quiz.com, where fans become champions. All right, so as we continue the post-game wrap-up show here and turn our attention a little bit to the injury report, reminder, go over to WeGotNets.com where you can sign up and receive a free ebook history about all those big moments for the Brooklyn Nets. Will the 106-104 victory over the Houston Rockets midway through a season end up making it? Probably not. There's a lot of good things in there about Jason Kidd and all those key moments. Totally free over at WeGotNets.com. Sign up for that today and be alerted when we have some other great content coming your way as well. Now, when we think about the next step for the Brooklyn Nets, and this is where (laughs) I will say, let's start with the news. Ben Simmons, about a week ago, we talked about it. Jock Vaughn was asked. It was a lot of, well, if maybe, then possibly, so too, could be, when, maybe, I don't know. Fast forward a few days, he's playing down in the G League, getting some live bodies around him, and now reports are he could return as soon as, not 100%, but could return as soon as Monday night against Utah for the Brooklyn Nets. Point stop. How surprised are you that this is how quickly the talk to me in two weeks went to he'll now be making his return potentially this week? Uh, I'm not like shocked by it only because while the, the updates weren't specific, they weren't of the same, like there were, there were a couple more specific things. Like he was going to go practice in long Island, right? Like we did know that like a couple things were happening here. So it's the only, I still wasn't holding out a ton of hope only because I think that's just where we have to be with Simmons overall. Um, just because of just like how, how little he's played over the last couple of years. But I did think that those while vague, offered a few different tidbits that we really hadn't seen before. So I'm not totally shocked by it. I- I'm glad that he's getting back into this stretch. My expectations are low, but that's fine. Like I-, I want him to be, I want him to be good. I just want, I'm just saying the expectations are low. Cause I think that's where we need to live with him. Another player who had a really good game tonight and, and took the previous matchup uh, was Nicholas Claxton very seriously. By the way, some of the final foul shots, Nicholas Claxton said, Sangoon, I'm going to go ahead and throw your body to the ground here because I yeah. want this rebound. That led to another very tight situation. How do you think, though, that this informs what the, if anything, what the Nets are going to do ahead of the deadline? Because the funny thing here is, for the most part, we said, hey, the best thing you can root for is a healthy Ben Simmons. It helps a lot with some of the deficiencies that this team has. But backtrack yourself to the beginning of the year. One of the biggest problems was Nicholas Claxton and Ben Simmons can't play together. So it's funny how it's still the same theme of a lot of talented players, but one of the biggest issues is not all these pieces fit together the right way. Maybe a happy problem to have, but I think people are maybe losing the forest for the trees a little bit on Ben Simmons' return starts to play, and it's only going to be positive in terms of the impact it has. I just like don't know how you think that. I mean, it wasn't like all amazing before he got hurt, right? And so I'm I've I've been actually a little surprised to see some of those reactions. And I think that's mostly like just 
maybe like to- like a little forgetting. He was fine, right? Like the <laughs> the numbers were there. He still wasn't doing the things the Nets need him to do the most, which is you know try to get to the basket with relative consistency. But I will say this. Uh, they do need his particular like versatility more than ever right now. Mm -hmm. And I think that's like the most important thing. So even if you back out the part where the deficiencies of the game are the part where he can guard one through five, pretty, pretty much um, the part where he can get out of the transition. They've desperately lacked guy. They, they stink in transition. I like uh, they, they gotta, I'll look at the stats here while we're kind of talking, but they gotta be one of the worst transition teams in basketball. They're horrible at it when they do do it and they barely do it. (laughs) So like, I um, like he will, he'll definitely help there. Having sort of just like a secondary rebounder is a really pretty important part for their scheme. They can go back to switching a lot more. Right. When just sort of more consistently, I, I will. So I think all those parts, uh, it will help. I just still, I just want to be, I just want to pump the brakes on like elation around this or like, or like season saving stuff. I don't think we're there and I don't think he has a track record. Uh, last point on that too. I, I, I think that like we said at the beginning, I think they're saved uncomfortable conversations early because they'll just easily bring them off the bench and right. like not like have to try to start and, and he'll just come in for Claxton, so you don't even have to worry about it. Right. Like, and I and I think that's I think they'll have a really and they'll they'll ease him into the minutes because they'll probably they'll probably be like sixteen to eighteen minutes or something like that for like the foreseeable future. So I think that they're going to be saved any uncomfortable fit issues by just like literally just bringing him in for Claxton because Sharp isn't playing. I, it's like <laughs> funny how these things have worked. It's to some degree for this team over the course of the year, but I think that's. A pretty, I mean, right? Like, is that obvious? It feels like it's like too, it's almost too obvious that that's what's going to happen. Oh, of course. Right. Yeah. yeah. Start to roll you into this thing. See how it looks. Find out maybe, and by the way, maybe you want to lump this in with if it's time to start Cam Thomas and it's maybe time for Cam Johnson to go to the bench. Well, all of a sudden you can start experimenting with different combinations that maybe open up opportunities to see how you can be successful while making these moves. Dorian Finney-Smith being hurt here changes it a little bit in terms of the different combinations you want to go with, depending on what the update is we get with him. He was available Dorian Finney-Smith to return tonight, never did. So yeah, they said that they said that then they changed it. So I'm not exactly sure. So I don't know if the, the initial report was wrong. They said he was available to return on the broadcast, but then... P- Nets PR like instantly came out and and let ever and let us know that he was not returning. So I, I actually wonder if there was a if there was a wires cross piece about him being available to return. And so at a minimum here too, Brian Lewis from the New York Post reported after I'm assuming after the game today or at some point left ankle day to day is the current status for Dorian Finney Smith. So thank it. goodness though because that looked worse and. Yeah. And I hate to put, I hate to make this like a commodity piece, um, but it's just a logistical thing. Him getting hurt eight days before the trade deadline or 10 days before the trade deadline or whatever would have been like, oh my goodness, because that is a guy that could get traded for actual real pieces. And again, I hate to put, I really don't like doing this because it feels gross, but it is just a thing. Like they've been taught, he's been talked about as being a trade piece here for a long time. He, it would be an important piece for a good team that's really good. Um, and we just seen what happens with this team sometimes when their guys get hurt around the trade deadline. Seth, yeah. Seth Curry, Joe Harris, but these guys were hurt at the deadline. They might have been able to fetch something. They just weren't playing. And like you, it's really hard to trade hurt guys at the deadline. <laughs> and yeah. so I was like, oh, I hate it. And again, I'm just caveated this for the fourth time that I hate thinking like that, but it's just, it's part of the game.
And, and one other, so I mean, tying into that too is I do wonder. I, I wonder how to, a final bow on Ben Simmons and for the Nets going towards the deadline. You mentioned injuries and otherwise. I wonder for how long the Nets have felt confident about where Ben Simmons was in terms of his process to getting back on the court. Not confident about you know if he'll be 100 healthy going forward in perpetuity, but just okay. We believe that right around a little bit ahead of the trade deadline, we're going to get Ben Simmons back. I'm interested to see how that informs it. You only have five games. He's going to have to go through a ramp up. So there, there are some key matchups here. Defensively, this has been a team that over the month of January was top 10. So they, they had turned that end of the court around. Ben should help with that as well. But now you get I, all the areas that they've been, they've benefited from some, again, benefited from injuries in terms of not having to make tough decisions. Now it's like, I wonder if this just muddles their process going to the deadline here too because you don't have this clear path going forward with anybody, Ben Simmons included. So I, again, let's get the win tonight. That's great. They're trying to just get back to winning ways. You can look back at these recent games and say they could have won. They could have won all those games, but they didn't. And the one difference here for me going forward is Ben Simmons return does not change the fourth quarter concerns for this team. It actually heightens them because he's another guy that can't go to the free throw line like Nicholas Claxton. So a blessing in some areas, a, 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 a you know, a detriment in others, it still feels like the same theme of the season carries through. Pieces fitting together, tough decisions to make. Luckily, the Nets at least got this win tonight against Houston. And real quick, I looked at their transition numbers, and for some reason, NBA.com doesn't allow you, I should look somewhere else, doesn't allow you to parse it by day, because I was trying, but it's not going to matter too much because Simmons has missed most of the season. They are well below average in terms of frequency um, of transition, uh, just possessions, and then they are, like fifth to last an effective field goal percentage on trans a uh, fourth to last, excuse me, uh, an effective field goal percentage in transition as well. So uh, just like an overall pretty bad transition team. They actually had more attempts than I had seen overall, but, um, but anyway, the two, the two numbers, like the frequency and the effective field goal percentage for transition was bad. So anyway, and that's that kind of no perimeter shooters. That's your point in spacing and all that stuff, right? Like it's all, in I'm theory. a big stats and I test together kind of guy. Like I, I was not positive by the way, before I looked at those transition things that where they were exactly, I felt right. like that's probably where they were. Um, but then I'm really hesitant sometimes to make claims like that because I know everyone hates it, but. You know, eye test is great and stats watch every game, every minute. So it's, it's why it's better. It's better. It's good to go look at that stuff as well. We're going to stick around here for a few minutes um, in YouTube live because I see we got a bunch of people in here uh, following and that's win. Easy to sometimes forget because the fourth quarter was so bad. It's still a W, baby. We still got the win here for the Nets. Um, and that's the important thing. Go check out WeGotNets.com. Adam and I wrote a, bu a book that comes at you in five for five different different days, right? So it's a book that comes at you one chapter a day for five days, different stories about the Nets over the last couple decades, some recent ones, some older ones. We had a ton of fun writing this one. Really pumped to have you read it as well. The feedback we've gotten on it's great so far. So really appreciate everyone that's gotten back because I've given out a lot of these already. Uh, go get them for yourself. We got Nets.com. And of course, I know in my heart that man is good, that what is right will always eventually triumph. And there's purpose and worth to each and every step. Why, that's Ronnie Reagan. <laughs> he was yeah, a guy. We'll be, <laughs> he, he was a person that said that. We'll be back again. Uh, <laughs> we'll be back again tomorrow in a moment on YouTube talking more Brooklyn Nets basketball. Basketball.